It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's COVID alert level increased from low to moderate on Wednesday. Five new coronavirus cases were reported, according to the city's COVID dashboard. Two men and one woman in their 30s tested positive, along with a man in his 20s and a patient between 10 and 19 years old. All five were experiencing symptoms when they received testing this week. One case is considered secondary, meaning the patient had known contact with another person who tested positive for the virus. Health officials have not yet publicly reported how the other cases were transmitted. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported 398 COVID cases. Eight are currently active, according to city data. Major flooding on the Taku River near Juneau is underway after a glacial dam release dumped even more water into an already swollen river. Increased snowmelt from recent heavy rains and warm temperatures pushed the Taku River above minor flood stage on Sunday morning. Water behind a glacial dam entered the river on Tuesday from the Taku River's headwaters high in the Juneau ice field. There have been other glacial dam releases around the region, including into the Mendenhall River in Juneau and the Salmon River near Hyder. Aaron Jacobs with the National Weather Service in Juneau says this kind of melt is ahead of schedule. It seems like this year the glacier dam releases are happening a little bit earlier than we've seen in the past. By 9 a.m. Wednesday morning, the Taku River gauge showed the river at nearly 45 and a half feet. That has already broken the record of 45 feet set in June 2004. Latest projections call for the Taku River to crest at over 46 feet late Wednesday or early Thursday. The flood warning is in effect until Sunday. Ketchikan police have made an arrest in a 28-year-old rape case. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, police credit a recent push to end Alaska's sexual assault kit backlog with identifying the suspect. And a word of caution, this story involves details of a sexual assault. It may not be appropriate for all listeners. On a dark evening in January 1993, a 14-year-old girl noticed a man following her. Afterward, she told investigators that he had pulled her behind the dugouts at Ketchikan High School's baseball field and raped her. She told police the man threatened to kill her if she said anything about the assault. She called the police anyway. But Ketchikan's acting deputy police chief, Andy Berenson, says the assailant was a stranger, making the investigation much more difficult. Ketchikan Police Department worked it diligently, uh, ran down every uh, tip, every suspect, every subject uh, that they could could develop as a sub, uh, suspect or a potential suspect and, and just weren't able to, to get anywhere with that investigation. It was a shock to the community, Berenson says. Attacks like that are rare, especially in a small island town like Ketchikan, but the crime went unsolved for decades. Now, police say they've cracked the case with new DNA evidence. Michael J. Williams, a 52-year-old Saxman man, is accused of raping the unnamed teenager on Dudley Field. Um, this is as serious as it gets. He stands accused of grabbing a child off a baseball field, dragging her behind the dugout, and brutally sexually sexually assaulting her. That's District Attorney Timothy McGillicuddy speaking during Williams' first court appearance on Friday. Williams faces two charges, first-degree sexual assault and second-degree sexual abuse of a minor. He has not yet entered a plea. So how did police come to believe Williams was behind the 1993 assault? As part of the initial investigation, medical professionals collected samples from the survivor's body in a sexual assault kit. 
Some 11 years later, in 2004, after advances in DNA forensics, KPD's Berenson says that sexual assault kit was tested at the Alaska State Crime Lab. It was you know, essentially reanalyzed to the point where they could actually develop a full you know, genetic profile. While police say the sample did turn up male DNA, it didn't match any profiles in the FBI's database. A dead end. Another 17 years passed. Then, this year, Branson says a years-old DNA sample collected by another law enforcement agency was tested as part of a statewide push. The named suspect in that case was Michael Williams. And there was a hit. That DNA was similar to the sample collected in the 1993 Dudley Field case, according to court filings. After getting a search warrant, Berenson says he took a sample from Williams last week and it matched the 1993 profile. Williams was arrested the next day. Berenson says it's the first time in his 20-year career he's seen an arrest in a case this cold in Ketchikan. He says a recent push by the Alaska legislature to test backlogged sexual assault kits around the state made it possible. This is best case scenario, you know, is that you can solve these cases that victims have, have not and he says he hopes ending the backlog of sexual assault kits and other DNA evidence can help provide justice for sexual assault survivors and other crime victims. And that's, that's the goal here is to, when people go through a situation like this, um, sometimes a person is known to them, sometimes they're not, you know, and, um, and sometimes this is the only way to provide any form of, of identification in this type or other types of crime. Advocates are applauding the arrest. The executive director of Anchorage-based Standing Together Against Rape, Keely Olson, says it's validating for anyone who's come forward to report a sexual assault or rape. I just think this is uh, fantastic news. It's got to be really powerful for uh, the survivor um, to know that this person has been identified and is no longer a potential threat to them. You know, I think that's something that for a lot of folks, it's always kind of hanging over their head. She says she'd like to see the state shorten the time it takes to test each kit, and she says she supports the Department of Public Safety's efforts to create an assault kit tracking system to provide optional updates for survivors. Williams did not address the sexual assault allegations at his first court appearance. That's typical for felony cases, but he said there's little chance of him leaving town pending trial. There's no flight risk. I have too strong ties to the community. You know, my mother lives here, uh, nieces. Matthews. Prosecutors asked Magistrate Judge Amanda Schultz for half a million dollars bail. She said it at $350,000. A preliminary hearing in the case is scheduled for Friday. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Police in Wrangell were recently equipped with body cameras that log an officer's interactions with the public. It joins departments in larger cities like Juneau and Ketchikan, which have body cams as standard issues. KSTK's Sage Smiley has this report. It's a quarter past one on a Sunday morning, and the red and blue lights of a Wrangell police cruiser are flashing. Officer Yuri Bezabenko has just made what appears to be a routine traffic stop of a pickup truck with passengers riding in the back. He picks up the radio from the dashboard to call in the traffic stop, then double taps a device on his chest, which activates the body cam's microphone. And four. Hey guys, are there seatbelts attached to that be truck bed? For the next 20 or so minutes, the traffic stop proceeds like any other, just viewed from the chest level perspective of Officer Bezabanko. Do you mind if I see your license registration and proof of insurance, please? 
It's the first footage released by Wrangell's police department from their new body-worn cameras. KSDK requested the footage on June 17th through a public records request. It was delivered eight days later. The seven new body cameras were purchased using about $35,000 of federal pandemic relief. They're made by Axon, a company that also makes tasers and other law enforcement tech. A good chunk of the money went towards paying for five years of secure cloud storage for body cam footage. Police Chief Tom Radke requested the purchase last year. It's another tool that, that you know, is in the law enforcement toolbox that we want to be transparent with people. We want to be upfront with people. And this is just a way to, to, to accomplish that. Wrangell's assembly approved the department's body cam policies in mid-June with little fanfare. The policy is fairly clear-cut. Officers should wear the camera while in uniform and record most interactions with the public. If an interaction isn't recorded, there has to be clear justification for why it wasn't. The cameras upload footage automatically to the storage site. If the footage is evidence in a criminal case, it has to be stored for at least 10 years. Recordings that aren't evidence will be stored by the department for 90 days. Police body-worn camera footage is public record in the same way that other police records are public. Evidence that's being used in an ongoing investigation wouldn't be released until after the investigation is complete. The department's body cam policies don't lay out clear standards for what will and won't be publicly released. Radke says it will be a case-by-case consideration for himself and other Wrangell officials. He wants to be timely, but also fair. We want to be as transparent, as, as fast and as transparent as we, as we can be, um, with also affording the rights of those that are being accused. And he says he worries about fueling the small-town rumor mill. One of my biggest fears is, you know, there's something that happened over at the Johnson's house, and somehow, just because you're the nosy neighbor five doors down, you come in here and want to get into the Johnson's business. Do you know what I'm saying? Protecting privacy is important to Radke, as the department smooths the wrinkles in its body camera policies. For example, in the footage released to KSDK, the audio cuts for a few seconds to mute identifying information of the driver. Radke says there's also an option to put a black box over something like a license to protect people's privacy. But officers don't have the option to edit footage by removing a few seconds here or there. That's part of the function of off-site storage. The cloud storage also logs every time someone looks at the footage. Radke says the policies could shift slightly as the department learns more about everyday use of the cameras. These are set in stone, but they're not set in stone. Do you know what I'm saying? As far as we might have to add some things to them that we didn't, we just didn't anticipate. Radke says there haven't been issues with the rollout of the body cams yet, although some officers are still figuring out what sort of holster and chest placement works best for them. A lot of people, a good percentage of the people, I don't think will even see them. You know, they're dark colored. Um, they blend in with the uniform. Radke adds the police department is planning on holding community engagement events to educate Wrangell and take input about body-worn cameras. But those haven't been scheduled yet. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Good morning. Good morning.